Every day I think of you saying, your life is not a dress rehearsal. Oh, hell yeah, baby. I love it when you quote me back to me. Okay, this is getting a little X-rated. Welcome back, rich girls and boys, to the Rich Girl Roundup weekly discussion of The Money with Katie Show. I'm your host, Katie Gaddy Tossin, and every Monday, Hannah and I are going to break down an interesting money discussion. Here's a quick message from the sponsors of this segment. Before we get into it, this week's full episode on Wednesday, I am really looking forward to it. It's a bit of an investigation into the way roughly one-third of Americans live on an average wage of $10.22 an hour. So we'll be talking about the current state of low-wage work, why it primarily affects women, and some of the ways private organizations and certain cities are setting the example for how we right the ship and break these types of cycles. Okay, on to the roundup. Henna, how are you doing today? I'm good. It feels like spring. How are you feeling? <laughs> it's snowing. <laughs> oh, never mind. Like it was actually really nice earlier, and now it's yeah. This is just spring in Colorado. Are you excited for your NorCal move, where it's not going to be snowing in May? Yeah, I'm a little nervous though that it's going to be really hot all the time. I talked to somebody who was mm. like, "Oh, you're moving to like this particular area." They were like, "Well, it's really hot, and there are a lot of chain restaurants." And I was like, "Well, I love <laughs> Chili's two for twenty five, so I think I'm going to fit in really well." Where did Thomas make you go? Chili's. <laughs> no, it, it was like Little Caesars. I oh, think. yeah. <laughs> well, in the video version of this episode, this is why you got to watch on YouTube. We'll put a picture of Thomas in Little Caesars. It was his first trip to Little Caesars. And when we walked out, he goes, wow, that young man really ran a tight ship. Refreshing. Really refreshing. <laughs> I was like, you are 50 years old. I love it. Okay. Well, I will. I can get into today's question if you want. <laughs> Please do. And today's question is, what is the best money advice for someone in their 20s? And what do you anticipate being the most impactful financial decisions in your 30s? And unfortunately... Well, you're already in your 30s, so you yeah, start. Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew you were going to out me. I knew it. I was going to do it to myself. Yes, I am in my 30s officially. So I can kind of share maybe um, a couple of the things that I heard in my 20s did not always take to heart. <laughs> we're going to we're going to start there. So the most obvious one I could think of is saving for retirement and my parents told me like from the first paycheck like always oh, save this amount. Yeah. And I wish I had listened because at the time I was like, "No, why? Like this is new money. I'm rich." Mm -hmm. And then when I started working here and I realized like how much more you have to catch up the longer you wait, mm. the more I was like, oh, I wish I had listened. Tosin, what about you? I'm really happy you said that because now I don't have to. So <laughs> when I was thinking about this question, I, I feel like I can sum up everything I feel about this and like money in your 20s in something that's going to sound a little bit paradoxical or like like it's in contradiction with what you just said at first, but I promise it's not. It actually complements it really well, which is you don't need to be in a rush. Like, mm. I think we graduate from college and it's like immediately there's this pressure to like rent the dream apartment, get the dream job, marry the dream human. Like there's pressure to start making these types of things happen for yourself immediately. And 
I don't know. I think that sometimes that can put us in financial situations that we otherwise would not choose for ourselves. I don't think we have a full... There were things that I remember doing or considering doing in my early 20s that I did not grasp the financial implications of them at the time. Can you share an example, I guess? Yeah, sure. (laughs) So (laughs) She says so many. Back in the day, before I knew about investing in general and investing for retirement, I mean, you you learn from the people around you, right? And the other adults that I knew were just other adults that I worked with. And they were all older than me. And they all were homeowners. And we would sometimes talk about 401ks and stuff, but I didn't know anyone that was putting in more than like four or 5% into the 401k. So immediately I'm kind of taking this signal from the people around me and being like, oh, I guess the next step is to buy a house. Mm. So I started looking at houses in Dallas and I made $50,000 a year. I had like $8,000 in savings. And I was like, I think 250 seems like a good budget. (laughs) So like apropos of nothing, I just zeroed in and Surprise, surprise. This was 2018. But yeah, you couldn't get anything other than like a dilapidated two-bedroom condo for $250,275. I started going down that path. And I remember just like calculating crudely how much I was going to spend on rent over the next 10 years. I mean, like, oh my God, I'm throwing so much money away. I need to buy this place. And then what Mm. actually got me to like cut it off was because one time the realtor was like, you know, you want to go get a pre-approval from a lender, which who was going to pre-approve me? And she starts going through all the closing costs. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be like another 25000 at closing. And I remember being like, white guy blinking meme. Like, wait, <laughs> what? 20, uh, closing? What's a closing cost? And then I learned about property taxes. And I was like, oh, F that noise. Like, this is not it. But that push of like, okay, I'm an adult. I have a job. Like, I need to buy a house. Yeah. That like immediately just fell into my lap as this almost like expectation. But I do think that there's like that saying of don't rob yourself of the ability to actually be wealthy in the future by pretending to be that person now. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I worked in nonprofit straight out of college. I was making a whopping $40,000. And I'm like, trying to keep up with the Joneses with friends who are making, you know, six figures out of college and investment banking. I wish I had sort of internalized the don't compare yourself, like you're on different tracks thing a lot easier. Because to your point, I feel like I can't go out for a night to a bar the same way that they could or like buying the same kinds of clothes or whatever. That was a big eye opener for me the later I got my 20s where I was like, you are on a different trajectory and like that's fine and valid too. You don't have to try to like do everything now because also you're robbing yourself of the future. The other piece of this is like, I felt like I'd spent all this money in my twenties trying to like keep up. But then when I got to my thirties, I was like, the things that I actually want to do are not those things. I'm like, the places I spent my money on, oops. But I will say a couple other things for like being in your twenties, getting a good credit card and always paying off your balance in full was a huge, huge thing. That was like the only rule my mom told me was like, I don't care whatever you do with your money, but like always pay it off in full. And I've seen how that has crept up on other people. So I would say that's a big one. Getting the best health insurance you can possibly get. I also was like, I'm young. I don't have to worry. And I still think that. And then look what happened recently, right? Like $20,000 in random bills that thankfully we have insurance for. But life happens. And I feel like if you can, like really try to get the best options. And then 
The other thing like that my parents used to do, and I used to roll my eyes, but now I definitely understand, is like going line by line on your statements and like coming to terms with one, your spending, and two, like understanding if you're being charged anything wonky for like medical bills or like random utilities. I know you and I have talked about this a ton, but like... Well, it's just funny because this is like... I remember I would get my Discover card statements and every time I'd see the total balance due, I was like, oh my God, someone has my credit card. And then I would someone do that. Someone is you. And I would look line by line and I'd be like, oh, no, no, I did buy that. Oh crap, I bought that too. I'm glad you said that because I don't know why we as humans do this, but we have this weird assumption that we can just kind of eyeball it. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, mm. it's so cool. Like I can intuit my spending. But you really can't. Like, it is one of those things that is so, so difficult to just mentally have a tab running in your head. You are almost always going to underestimate how much you're spending by like 20 or 30%, probably yeah. at a minimum. So I think that it, your point about making sure both for fraud prevention, but also just so that you are aware of what is going out every month. Awareness goes such a long way and you wouldn't think it does but yeah. getting into that habit early. I know you love co-pilot for yeah. that kind of thing where you're like, okay, transparency of like, where is your money going? I mean, last weekend, right? Like I went to a wine store and then I went Ooh. to a bookstore and then like, I love shopping small, whatever. And I was feeling all good. I was like, I didn't spend that much. And then I got home and I was like, <laughs> I spent how much? Um, so, yeah, I think even in your 30s or like people who work with money, it's so She's easy for it to get away She's stimulating the local you. economy. I'm investing in my community. Um, and <laughs> I just had a couple other money tips for your 20s, um, which is, I know this is a privilege, but if you can do it, my parents had told me this and I was like, yeah, no, but stay at home as long as you can, if it's possible, because you will set yourself up for so much future success money-wise that I mean, if you're saving the money you would have spent on rent, my brother ended up staying at home and I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to move out. And the difference in how much money we could save was mm. incredible. Also, just the family side of that, where like, I don't think I really consciously realized when I left for college. And then after I graduated from college, I did not move back home. I just went and, you know, moved to a different city. I didn't realize at the time consciously that like, oh, I'm never going to live with my parents again. The time that I have to spend with them is like now limited to any time I can take time off and fly to go visit them. And I didn't at the time realize kind of how profoundly sad that is. Not to take it in a dark direction, but I think that, that there's a double benefit to living yeah. at home for a little bit in your 20s is that you also just get to be with your parents more, assuming you have a good relationship with them, of course, right. but... I read a tweet once, obviously, I don't know the math exactly, but it was like, by the time you leave for college, you've spent 90% of the time you're going to spend with your parents. And I just was like Ugh. a sobbing mess. Right? It's so sad. And I think if you can, and it's something you're willing to do, it can make a huge difference in your financial success. Can but, I throw a wrench in this? Well, I'm pretty sure I'm going to know, I know what you're going to say, oh, but gosh. like, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay, I'm going to throw, we're going to do a hard pivot because I do think that there is something here where so far a lot of what we've said basically boils down to just like save, <laughs> which is definitely good advice all around. But have you ever heard of the different economic models of consumption and like consumption theory? Yeah, I mean at a high level, but hit me with it. So it's basically like 
in the personal finance world, there's this idea that your save rate is static. Like from the time you begin working to the time you retire, you aim for a static save rate of 20% or 25%. But when economists approach these types of problems, they look at the way your life kind of unfolds. And so they look at these different periods of consumption where typically in your 20s, you don't have that much money to spend and you're trying to get your life started. So you are probably going to have like basically no save rate in this consumption model. And then I think you're spending peaks in your 40s and then begins declining again. So the whole thought is like, oh, you know, you're going to by the time you're in your 30s and 40s, you're going to be in your peak earning years and it's going to be way easier to save. And so there's that famous story from Die With Zero, that book. I don't remember the author's name, but he talks about how he was making like $20,000 a year as some low-level analyst at some bank. And he was like so proud that he was living so frugally that he was able to save $1,000 a year or something. And he told some senior banker and the guy was like, you're an idiot. Why are you like, you're working so hard to save $1,000. Like, there's no point to that. You're going to make five times that amount in five years, just like spend the money now and save later. And it sounds so counterintuitive to what we're used to, but it is interesting to consider the economic models of consumption when you have this type of conversation around like how to treat money in your 20s. There are two kind of valid sides of like, yeah, the more you save in your 20s, the less you have to save later. But yeah, you're probably going to work a lot harder to do it because you're probably not earning as much as you're going to later. And then the opposite, which is like, well, your 20s are probably the time you're going to have the most flexibility, freedom, and like physical energy to go do things. So it makes sense to have a lot of experiences in your 20s, even if it doesn't bode well for your save rate. So I don't know, just something. I love that only because I also had like one last bullet point, which was like, you can't take it with you. When I started making money, the my favorite thing is being able to treat the people I loved and like being generous with them and being like, mm. you got a promotion, I can send you flowers. Or like, I'm yeah. going to spend money on my parents and take them out to dinner. Don't forget you're living in your 20s too. And yeah, yeah. Every day I think of you saying, your life is not a dress rehearsal. Mm, oh, hell yeah, baby. I like want to get that like tattooed on I me. I love it when you quote me back to me. Okay, this is getting a little X-rated. No, I just, it's so true that we forward project a lot, but like you also have to live in the moment. And unfortunately, now that I'm in my 30s, I do have to think about some future things that make me approach money differently. And like, mm-hmm. One of those things is figuring out how childcare is going to work if that's in our long-term plan and like how that affects where you're going to want to buy a house and settle down. And like, I know we want to aim to live by my parents so that there's access to like free childcare, basically. <laughs> it all starts forming, like coalescing into like the long-term trajectory of your life and it's much higher stakes. So I think when you're in your 20s and you can just kind of like have fun, obviously don't forget to do that. Yeah. Well, and the childcare infrastructure was my last, <laughs> the lack thereof, um, was my last <laughs> thought on thinking about 30s, because that is typically when people start having kids if they don't have them already. And it's funny because sometimes when people come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm in my 30s, I want to have kids, I haven't saved yet. And so I'm like going to have to pay for daycare and, you know, it's I'm not going to be able to save I mean, that's kind of reality for a lot of people. So I I think that one of the only ways to make it easy on yourself is if you save a lot of money in your 20s, because then if you have to take 
five years from saving off to like have a kid and put them in daycare, assuming you still have to work. And it's a trade-off that a lot of people have to make. You know, you're not stressing out that like, oh my gosh, it's almost too thinking about like, when you're in your 20s, you're probably not, if kids are something that are in the distant future for you, you're probably not thinking about the fact that, oh, well, you know, I have this idea that I'm going to save for retirement later, but I'm also going to have kids later. So it's like, well, how are you going to do both? You may be able to do both if you make a lot of money, but I don't know, dude, that's the tough thing is it is about balancing those priorities. But even if, if you are not someone that's able to get yourself to save for retirement when you're 25, you probably will feel a little bit more compelled to start putting money away in investments by telling yourself like, look, I'm going to have a kid in five to 10 years. And that's really going to make it a lot more challenging to be shoveling money away. So I'm going to get ahead of that now. And I will say time flies, right? Because when Giovanni and I, my husband and I got together, we were like 23. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to think about having kids till I'm like 30. And then 30 came and I was like, I don't want to think about it until (laughs) 33. It happens very quickly. And then you'll kind of wish that you would maybe thought about it in advance a little bit. I definitely still feel like a child bride. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's that broad city scene where Alana's like, I can't get married. I'm only 27. I'm not a child bride. Truly. That's how I feel sometimes. I feel like I'm playing house. I have close friends that got married at like 23. And I was like, I don't even know what I was doing when I was 23. So same. When I got married, I was like, this this still feels really young. I don't know what I'm doing. Which is to say, a great note to end on, which is that all adults don't know what they're doing. And I wish that I had <laughs> realized, <laughs> realized that earlier. Nobody knows what's going on. And we're all doing the best we can at the risk of being super cliche. I think it is about balance, which I feel like that's always what it comes down to. But in this case, especially um, anytime you feel like something is getting a little too extreme, that's probably a good sign that like, "Hmm, I might need to bring it back, back to a more moderate approach here. Thanks for listening to this week's Rich Girl Roundup. We will see you on Wednesday. Wednesday.